to talk about cruise lines, and for that, we'll welcome in Paul Golding, lifestyle and payment analyst at Macquarie Group. Paul, good to have you here. So we're going to talk about cruises, but first I just want to talk about the overall sector for just a second because I was taking a look at my watch list and seeing that uh, travel stocks actually, for the most part, bucking the, the downtrend today. We see cruise lines, airlines higher, seeing Expedia, Booking.com higher. So uh, seeing some strength in the market today. But just in terms of travel stocks overall, what should investors be, how should they be approaching this market or this space, given all of the, the macro headwinds that it faces? Well, thanks for having me on, Caroline. Uh, in terms of the, the pieces of the travel sector that we cover, um, and in, in particular for this conversation for Cruise, while we've been hearing a lot about consumer and potential consumer weakness, the, the key focuses for us have been the abatement of COVID protocols and inbound testing protocols, unlocking the international opportunity, the uh, opportunity for that to drive incremental experiential spend relative to 21 and early 22, uh, and how that might drive uh, this long tail reflation in travel spend. Uh, as we've seen this, these, some of these persisting COVID uh, overhangs come off finally. And so uh, that is, in our view, bucking some of this uh, trend or, or discussion around potential consumer weakness for spending in the sector. Okay, so when we talk about Carnival, it's actually up about 2% today. You have an outperform rating on the stock and a $10 price target. It's inching closer to that. It's trading around $8.93. But why the bullish call on Carnival? Well, we're, we're bullish on the space deleveraging as the operating leverage finally comes back in full force. We still think 23 is a transitional year uh, in the sense that at the outset of the year, we won't have uh, full uh, occupancy in our view relative to uh, baseline as, uh, as we had in 2019, for example. Uh, but we are getting closer. We now, in our uh, estimates forecast a $4 billion uh, adjusted EBITDA number, which relative to 2019, uh, you know, a delivery on our estimates. Last year was a $1.7 billion EBITDA loss. So we see how this operating leverage picture for cruise lines is able to potentially deliver a really strong uh, earnings result. And so we see that starting to come to fruition in 23. What's demand looking like for uh, cruise lines right now? Because I've, to be honest, I've never taken a cruise. I would have even less desire to take a cruise after COVID and seeing some of those documentaries and being trapped with all those people in a, in a pretty small space. But uh, I know that there are people who are ride or die cruisers. How does demand compare to, say, before the pandemic? Well, booking volumes have been uh, above, at or above historical levels and at pricing that is above historical pricing. So if that's any indicator of the strength of the return to cruise um, fan, as well as the uh, strength in cruise line's ability to cater to new to cruise, despite this post-pandemic sentiment that, that you're referring to, I think the, those both go to show that uh, the cruise lines are able to deliver a value experience that uh, enjoyed by their customers. Uh, Carnival, for example, uh, on the most recent result, 
noted 99% of 2019 capacity levels in service uh, in the fourth quarter and that they're closing the gap to 2019 levels on new to cruise mix. We've seen consumers, though, in this shift from spending on goods to services, they're willing to spend anything to travel because they hadn't been able to travel for so long. So, you know, it's that revenge travel, if you will. But if inflation remains high and we continue to be stretched, money eventually runs out, right? So is this, will these cruise lines continue to have this pricing power or is this a consumer that if we do in fact head into a recession, if we start to see more job cuts, the unemployment rate tick higher, that the cruise lines are going to be susceptible? I think the question is, will the consumer continue to want to travel to any degree? The reason we see that as the baseline question here is that the cruise experience is a value experience relative to the land-based alternative. And so if you are looking to travel at all for leisure purposes, uh, cruise is actually quite competitive. Uh, and so um, while you may say, well, you're going to see a consumer that's less likely to spend on these leisure experiences. They might actually be more willing to get over the line uh, to actually pull the trigger on uh, a leisure experience if it's cruise and cruise is delivering this, this value versus the land-based alternative. Telling me that I might eventually have to take a cruise because that's all I'll be able to afford to do. All right, let's let's uh, just talk about some of your other picks. Carnival, obviously, when it when you take a look at it versus say Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, the worst performer over the past year. So, what other names would you like in this space? We like Royal Caribbean in the space. Uh, in terms of operations, uh, it's. In, in our view, uh, managed the securitization basket, uh, best out of the group, managed its leverage, best out of the group. Uh, it's also uh, been able to ramp back to uh, close to normal operating levels more quickly than its peers. Uh, but this is uh, in the space, you know, generally a consensus favorite. And so if you're looking for other picks in the space, you know, Carnival, in our view, has been uh, a bit less loved, given maybe more of a, of a transitional period through COVID, um, continued capital raises. Um, but some of that could deliver solid performance on the back end in terms of the transformation of the fleet. The companies uh, disposed of over 20 ships throughout the pandemic. Uh, and is still looking to deliver pretty consistent capacity relative to 2019 levels as the new ships that come on have more capacity and are more efficient, which leads to better uh, yield, better EBITDA per sailing. And so um, we just have to let some of this play out over time as the operation gets back to normalcy. All right, we have to leave it there, but appreciate you breaking it all down for us. Paul Golding, Lifestyle and Payments Analyst at Macquarie Group. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.